today. Um, today's gospel, it's a, a beautiful gospel. Um, and one of the nice things about uh, the fact that we have the lectionary is that we were able to break up the different stories of, of the different gospels. And this year, in year B of the lectionary, we've been reading from Mark's gospel, as, as hopefully you're aware of by now. And uh, uh, we've been following uh, Jesus, not only within his call of the disciples um, and, and the constitution of, of a new family with them, but a new family that's, that's founded on some, 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 some principles, some spiritual principles that really contrast with, with Jesus' own relationship with his biological family. And it's not that he doesn't want to call them in um, to the fold, um, but that there's something really particular about what it is that he's calling them. And uh, uh, the disciples, as we know, have been following him around as he heals uh, various people. And um, uh, the problem is, though, is that when we have the scattered stories, we oftentimes forget the context in which the story comes. And that's kind of the danger of, of entering in today without getting the context right. Uh, so it really requires us to back up a couple weeks to, uh, to the deaf mute. Right? Remember the deaf mute where Jesus is often in pagan territory and, and this, this group of people thrust this guy who is both deaf, can't hear, and is mute, he can't speak. Right? Who was an outcast within his own society because he could not communicate with everybody else. He was cut off. He was isolated from them. And uh, they wanted to watch Jesus perform a miracle. So they, they, they pushed him out in front, thinking that Jesus was going to perform it right in front of them. And, and what happens? What happened, right? Um, Jesus doesn't perform a miracle right there. Jesus takes this man who's probably got this crazy anxiety, over-anxiety, because he doesn't know what's going on. He's just been thrust in front. You know, everybody's pushing on him and stuff. And Jesus calmly takes him aside and he cures him cures him. And then when, it's, when he goes back out, right, he starts proclaiming the good news, proclaiming what has taken place. But what was hopefully interesting from that, that, that gospel reading was uh, that, that, that came alive within the gospel, hopefully for you, or was, was proclaimed and preached upon, was that the reality is, is while this man is physically deaf and mute, the people that thrust him out, or us, ourselves, oftentimes are spiritually deaf and spiritually mute, right? So oftentimes we're, we're quick to point our finger, whether, you know, it's at politicians, whether it's our employer, uh, whether it's at people within the church, uh, whether it's a lead, leader of whatever group it is, uh, as children, perhaps the pointer finger at our parents or the pointer finger at our brothers and sisters and to say, you aren't listening to me. You're not listening to the people that matter most. You're not speaking on their behalf. And yet, if we're honest with ourselves and we're self-reflective, right, when we point that finger, there's, there's, there's fingers coming right back at us that should really help us to remember, right, whenever we see spiritual deafness or muteness by people, that it's important to remember, too, that oftentimes that's the case with us. And it's a theme that, that goes over and over and over again through this Gospel of, of Mark. Right? It starts with that healing from the first week of September that we heard about. But when we put it in its context, what happens right after that is what we, what really kind of what we had last week. Right? Jesus proclaims why he is here. Why he is here. Right? He proclaims his passion, death, and then ultimately his resurrection. The Son of Man has come, and he's going to suffer. He's going to be killed. He's going to die. But he's going to rise on the third day. And if you recall from last week's gospel... Right? What, what takes place other than that P 
Peter, Simon Peter doesn't like this proclamation, and he takes Jesus aside and rebukes him. But Jesus rebukes him back. He says, get behind me, Satan. You're not speaking and thinking as God does. You're thinking as human beings do. Well, what we don't get to in today's gospel is that we had, as I said before, we had the the, the healing of a physically uh, deaf and mute man. Then the proclamation of the passion, death, and resurrection of Jesus for the first time. Then Jesus ultimately comes and he heals another deaf mute. But this time it's not because of just some physical ailment. It's because there's a demon that's possessing this little boy that, that prevents him from being able to hear and from him being able to speak. And then we come and stumble upon today's gospel where he once again proclaims his passion, death, and resurrection. But this time we hear, as as, as we'll get into, the disciples themselves, the apostles themselves, are spiritually deaf and mute. But as we fast forward a couple weeks, we're going to see the same thing again. As he proclaims his passion, death, and resurrection a third time to his apostles, once again, instead of speaking about who's the greatest, as they do today, it's going, to be, it's going to be James and John, these two brothers that, that want to jockey for positions of power once again. Because they're not listening. And they're going to say, Jesus, can we be at your right and your left? And then he proclaims again his passion, death, and resurrection. Can you be baptized with the baptism that I'm going to be baptized with? Can you suffer the death that I'm going to suffer? Right? It's this cyclic repetition of dealing with death mutes and, and the proclamation of what Jesus come to proclaim, his passion, death, and resurrection. He comes to proclaim a new power and a new authority. That's ultimately what he's doing today, brothers and sisters, as he comes and he says, the Son of Man is to be handed over to men and they will kill him. And three days after his death, the Son of Man will rise. Again, what do we hear here? They did not understand the saying. Their ears were clogged. And they were afraid to question him. Why were they afraid? Because of what happened last week. Right? Last week, right, again, where, where Peter rebuked him and then was rebuked back. Because he didn't know what he was talking about. And so they did what oftentimes we do as, as, as fallen human beings when we're not certain of our own selves or certain of what's taking place and what's going on. We try to assure ourselves instead of holding on to Jesus or trusting in Jesus, we try to assure ourselves of our own greatness or of our own significance. And that's ultimately what's taking place with them as they journey on to Capernaum. And when they get to Capernaum and once they're inside this house, you know, Jesus is not going to call them out in front of the crowd. He's going to call them up and he's going to talk with them privately. He says, what were you arguing about on the way? And again, they're not just spiritually deaf, they're spiritually mute. So Mark says, they remain silent. Silent this time because they're embarrassed. Embarrassed about what they were talking about. Embarrassed that they hadn't asked Jesus for follow-up questions to understand more about what he was, was saying. And then they have this little comment here from Mark that they've been discussing with themselves in the way, who was the greatest? Who was the greatest? Perhaps that's something that comes up within our own uh, uh, discussions around the dinner table at times. Uh, I know as, as a, a little boy, uh, my brother always liked to, to talk about how he was the greatest. 
about how he was going to be the greatest basketball player. He was going to play in the NBA and stuff. And, and uh, uh, of course, you know, he became kind of like a refrain, you know, over and over again from, from time to time. And that's my side of the story. He'd probably tell you differently. Embarrassed. But we'd start singing, How great thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee. How great thou art. And he would smile and he'd sit down. Who's the greatest? That's what ultimately Jesus finished the gospel today with a very poignant and very powerful manifestation of power. Who is the greatest? It's not what we think. It's not what human beings think about greatness. It's not the greatness of the Messiah that they were expecting as a people, as, as Jews. Right? What was the, the type of Messiah that they all wanted? I mean, they were expecting a Messiah. That's what we do in Advent. We, we are fulfilled Jews. We, 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 we participate in that expectation of the coming of the Messiah, of the Christ. But they wanted a Messiah that was going to overthrow who? Herod, right? King Herod, the bad and evil King Herod, the corrupt and evil King Herod. They wanted a Savior that was going to overthrow the Roman Emperor, right? Caesar Augustus. They wanted no longer to be slaves. That's not what Jesus came, not just for a physical solution. He came for a spiritual solution. They were chained within the hearts, right? Because it wasn't just physically death mute. They were physically, they were spiritually death and mute. They'd forgotten how to listen to the word of God. They had stopped proclaiming it with joy. And so Jesus comes to teach them what true power is and true authority is through his passion and through his death. And that's not something that they understood. But what is true authority, brothers and sisters? The word authority itself comes from the Latin autoritatis, autoritas. And uh, uh, a simple translation of that from the Latin would be promoter. People in authority are, are promoters or something. The question is, what are they promoting? Are they promoting themselves and their own selfish ambitions, as we heard from the letter, the second letter today from, from James? Or are they promoting the good of others? We know which type we want to follow, not the one that is, 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 is all about himself or ambitious for his own power or position or, or for more wealth. Not the person who just goes, as, as James talked about last week or two weeks ago, I forget which one it was, but, but is going out and, and just courting you know, the wealthy. Right? We want the one that is going to take care of the most vulnerable within society. Right? And that's what Jesus does today, right? He says, you know, who is the greatest? He calls this child over and he holds on to the child and he says, whoever receives this child receives me. Whoever receives me, receives the one who sent me. The one that's most vulnerable. The child is the most vulnerable. It is the most vulnerable today, particularly within the womb today. It's most attacked, unfortunately. Uh, but even within Jesus' time, the child was the most vulnerable. It was considered worthless. The child is, is completely dependent upon everybody else. It really has nothing to offer until it is, is, is fully grown. That doesn't stop us as human beings from loving it. It doesn't stop the person of true authority, the type of authority that we want to follow, from following that person if they care about the most vulnerable. We want to follow that person of true power, that person of true authority. 
Right? The one that is transparent, the one that's in touch with reality, as, as we would say. The person who lives a lifestyle that respects and is sensitive towards the others around them. One that, as Pope Francis likes to, to talk about, one of, of, of power authority who smells like the sheep and is willing to get dirty with them. We want to be like uh, uh, the, 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 the soldiers that follow the commander in the battle, not the, not the ones that you know, the commander just thrusts out. You go up the hill. <laughs> you go up the hill. That's not who we want to follow. That's not who we're called to follow. We're called to follow the one who is willing to lay down his life for us. But again, that's what Jesus keeps on proclaiming over and over again to deaf ears and to mute tongues within his disciples. And we're called to be his disciples. We're called to be better than his disciples. He's willing to give us the grace to understand that even though he is the almighty, even though he is the all-powerful God, right, he manifests his power by, by keep on relinquishing it over and over again to make a point. Right? He's the God that becomes man. He doesn't come to us as God. He comes as man, the God-man. Right? He doesn't come just as a man you know, who's able to shake his fist and to sit on a throne. No, he comes as a child, as an infant. He doesn't come with wealth and riches. No, he comes within a manger. He comes in poverty. He doesn't come with, 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 with uh, the choirs of angels singing and, and, and you know, before everybody kneeling down before him. Yes, that, that truly happens eventually. He comes in the stable in a hidden place. He comes and he subjects himself, even though he is the almighty God, he comes and subjects himself to human parents. One of them, which was not perfect. He listens. He waits. He lives a life just like each one of us. And then as we know, within his own passion, again, he has this ability. He could have, he could have overpowered Pontius Pilate. And, but as he tells Pontius Pilate, my kingdom is not of this world. My power is not of this world. It's of another world. If I wanted to, I could call down a legion of angels to take care of this situation. But that's not what my Heavenly Father wants of me in this moment. That's not how I'm going to manifest my power. When he's up on the cross, right, he has another opportunity, right, as they're mocking him and they're yelling at him. You can come down from that cross if you really are the Son of God, if you really are who you say you claim to be. But again, no, no. I'm going to do something even more powerful than that coming off this cross. I'm going to do even something more powerful than calling down 10,000 angels. I'm going to rise again on the third day. Anastasis, resurrection. Anastasis, the Greek word for, for, for resurrection. What does it mean? Literally, it means to rise again, to stand again. Even after I'm dead, I'm going to rise up again because I am the Almighty. I am the one with power who will manifest it in a unique way. I'll give up my life for you so that you know that I love you, so that you know that you are my sheep, so that you know how to serve. You know how to be great through service, through through a chore, through 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 true authority, through true power. Brothers and sisters, this is the authority and power that we have as Christians when we act in Christ. Have you ever wondered? Have you ever perhaps? Uh, you know, it's an interesting thing is as, as, as an old French novelist once once talks about. Uh, I was thinking about earlier this week. He says, you know, nobody criticizes Christ. <laughs> 
No one's ever criticized Christ, at least within this era, really. They criticize people who claim to be like Christ and, and, and don't. Because we abuse our power, we abuse our Christian authority that each one of you has. When we're grafted on the body of Christ, when we are truly His ambassadors, when we truly live as He has called us, when we have opened up our ears and we start to proclaim the Word of God and to live it, then we have a true power. Then we have a true authority. Then we can convert. Then we can heal. Then we can save one another. That's who we come to receive today, the humble the humble one who is almighty, the humble one who is all-powerful. When we do so, with due reverence and receive the grace that we need today, be able to open up our ears and to open up our tongues, proclaim the glory and the goodness of God.